And of course, we talked about missions already this morning about taking up the offering for that because we'll be going there in June in just a few weeks, actually, and we're excited about what God is going to do there. We have seen what he has done before, right? We know what he's doing even now while we are still here in the States, but we know what he is going to do in the lives of the people once we get there. And because of you, and because of many of you, your sacrifice to that mission, to this mission of this house, is making it all possible for us to go. It's liking it as you was going as well, right? How many would want to go the next time? Okay, that looks like a good team to me. We can do that. But we're talking about moms on a mission, and we just saw the video about moms being, uh, what they do is a portrait of what God is, right? That the world sees God sometimes through you. And as men today, we'll, we'll emphasize all day today that it's not just geared towards moms, but this will be also to everybody. Because God, does God look at gender? No. What applies to one applies to all, right? Equality in this house. Amen, ladies? All right. But remember that on the way out, too, um, you saw the uh, screen right outside the door there. Please be sure to get a picture with your family, post it on our website, post it on your Facebook page, and just show the world that we are on a mission, right? We are moms on a mission. We are a family on a mission, and we're a church on a mission. So be sure, take your picture out there. If you need help, I'm sure somebody will grab your camera for you. Get the whole group in there, and let's just show the world what our heart says, okay? So like I said, this video put, put everything into perspective for us today on what, we're, what we are going to look at today. Um, our world needs to see God. Our world, just as if the world could see God uniquely through you, through me, through us as moms, through you as men, but especially through us as moms. And that's what we're going to look at today. And it's easy for us as moms to miss the real effect that we have in the world, right? But know that when a mom protects, just like the video was showing, when a mom protects, she is displaying a, a God who protects. When a mom comforts, she's representing a God who will wrap his arms around you and comfort you. So she's showing what God does. She's an example. And on any given day, at any given moment, a mom, she's worrying, right? She's working, she's playing, she's teaching, she's feeding, she's counseling. She is juggling all kinds of things all at one time, right? Isn't it amazing when you become a mom that you realize how many things you can do with one hand? You got a kid on your hip, right? You can still wash the dishes. You got a kid on your hip, you can still get work done on the computer for work, getting that, getting that stuff in before the deadline. So on any given day, Moms are balancing and doing so many things and wearing so many hats that I forget what the amount is that if moms were to give, be given an amount for the work that they do, just think how rich we would be, ladies, right? We probably wouldn't be sitting here on Mother's Day at One Life Church in Culloden, West Virginia. We'd probably be on a cruise somewhere today, wouldn't we? Right? But we're in this house. And she, these moms, we're juggling all these different things, right? And she does so much more than she realizes or even sometimes gets credit for. So she is and you are showing the world a portrait of God through what you do. When I was little, they always had the saying, sometimes you're the only God 
right, or the only Bible that people will see or hear or read. Your life, what you do, what you represent, represents God. If you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a believer and a disciple of Christ, what you do makes a difference. Your actions make a difference. You are that portrait of God to the world. So today I'm going to ask you two questions. What is your world? And two, what is your mission? We all have one. We're all on a mission. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we have a mission, we have a call? We are all on a mission. We all have one. And that is why we here at One Life have uh, adopted them, have always taken the scripture from Acts 1 and 8. It's as as part of our mission statement. And it reads like this. Acts 1 and 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And of course, every person that comes up here at this pulpit or anywhere that you go and you, you're in a mission service, they pull this part of scripture out, right? Because it does pertain to going to the ends of the earth that we always use the scripture for a missions sermon. And we're going to look at that, but there's other parts of this text that we need to look at a little bit closer, right? So and when it does say to the ends of the earth, it means to every unreached people group, right? Do you realize that there are still people groups out there that have not heard the gospel? But then there's people like us who hear it every week, right? Not just to be hearers, but we're to be doers of the word, right? But we here at One Life believe that what Jesus is actually saying is this. You, will, you us, me, you, Sandy, anybody in this room, right? You will be the witnesses in your Jerusalem. And pastors talked about this so many times. Your Jerusalem is your family, your city, right? And your, your Judea and your Samaria is your state and your country, And, of course, to the ends of the earth. So as we go on this mission today, I'm going to take you on a little missions trip right right here in Culloden, West Virginia. And I don't want us to, once again, get caught up on the fact that, yes, it's Mother's Day and we're focusing on moms. But the principle of today's mission is the same for everybody. It's the same. It's applicable to all of us. Uh, Male, female, young, old, right? I don't want to call anybody old today, but moms, grandmas, grandpas, sisters, friends, whoever it may be, this is for all of us today. And we're on the journey. We're on this journey, and we're all on this mission together. And you are a missionary. Have you ever had anyone call you a missionary? Have you ever felt like a missionary? Yeah. We found our places in, in, in situations where... You are that missionary. You are that one sharing the gospel. You are that one that is spreading the good news. But you are a missionary. And this also includes callings in our lives, not just our mission, but our calling, right? Those things that God calls us to do. Not what he calls one to do or the other, but what he calls you individually to do. It's our calling. And that brings us back to the why we are here today. We're here to celebrate mothers, Mother's Day, motherhood. But we're also here to become mission-minded, to be aware of just exactly what being a missionary is. And those of you and us as Christians, as mothers, 
we need to connect the dots between the two, right? Have you ever connected the dots that your calling is shaped by the mission that Jesus gave to his church? The mission that he gave to his church is the same mission that we as moms should be on in this day, in this time. It's a parallel of the two. And I, myself, that's what I've always said, that's how I've always viewed as being a mother, is that I was on a mission. It, it, it is a mission. It is a call. And to be the, the mom of Jordan and Destiny, that was my mission field. She is my mission field. Jordan was my mission field. Yes, I was married to the amazing Brian Matthews, right? But me as a woman, as a woman of God, and as his wife, and the mother of his children, my children are my mission. Now, we take care of him. I take care of him as much as I can, but we as moms, they are our mission. Now, we may want to make them into a missions project, right? When you get them, they might not be exactly, you know, what... They might not exactly have on what you want them to wear. Isn't that funny how we kind of just um, trinkle that in there and change maybe the way they cut their hair or if they have hair at all, right? If they brush their teeth three times a day, right? So we get all caught up in that. But it's an amazing journey that we're on together and that we're on this mission field together. And praying that I would be a mom that Jordan and Destiny would need. Not that their friends would need, not that people here at the church would need, but the mom that Jordan and Destiny would need. Because he knew what they were going to face. He knew what I had already faced. And he knew how we were going to together go on this mission together. That if I could raise them up, Jordan up to be the man of God that he was created to be, and Destiny the woman of God that she was created to be, then I would have fulfilled my mission. We all use the term mission accomplished, right? Wouldn't that be great that once you get your kids grown, that there's this great big poster waiting on your driveway that says, mission accomplished. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, you would like give yourself a pat on the back. You would feel so good about yourself. And we should. And even if that poster isn't waiting on you at the end of the day, at the end of this journey, guess what? The mission's still the same. You've still accomplished what you set out to do. You still did what you were, you were called to do as moms and as dads and brought them up in the way that they should. So mission accomplished, but it doesn't stop there. That's really just the beginning. That's the beginning of our, our missions today. And even before in our mission scripture in Acts that we just uh, read, before it was given to us in Matthew 28, and in which we just celebrated Easter and the risen Christ and during their Easter series a few weeks ago. And our pastor even just last week talked about authority. Um, this ties it all in together. In Matthew 28 and 18, the recently resurrected Jesus is talking to the remaining 11 disciples. So he's talking to the ones that are left. And it ties it all together for us. And it says, Then Jesus said unto them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, can you imagine? It was a lot for the disciples to take in. Like I said, it was just after the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, 
right? It was a lot for them to take in because they had just went through this whole grieving process. Then it was such joy to know that he had risen again. And then he comes back to them and then puts this amazing amount of responsibility on their shoulders. Now, remember, these are the very ones that are his friends that walked with him, his disciples that, that he taught, that he raised up. But yet that, that word, you go and do this, you go and make disciples, you go into the world and do what I have been doing and what you will do even after I'm gone. So it was a great responsibility that he had just put on them. And we think of it like this. As moms, we do the same thing. And yes, there's a lot of responsibility in being a mom. And then I come in here and I tell you that your kid's future depends on you. And we all know that. But when it comes spiritually, right, that's a heavy, awesome responsibility that those kids, that their life is in your hands, that their spiritual life is in your hands. So we as mom, we put, it's quite challenging. We put this on our shoulders. And there are many of us that you know, we've been there. We're the ones that begged and prayed and cried and snotted around and pleaded for God to give us a child, right? We even made deals with him. Have you ever made deals with God? Good, because I don't want to be up here the only one because I did. I, I mean, I promised everything. My left kidney, my right toe, I, you know, and just like with anybody in the Bible, they offer up their firstborn. You know, you're just like, come on, God answer my prayer, right? But, you know, then there's some of you in this place that may feel like God played a huge trick on you, right? Because you weren't even asking for a child. It may have even been the surprise of your life. And as that one commercial says, mom and daddy came home with a souvenir, right? It's a huge surprise that you have a child in this place today. And to this day, you're not sure exactly how it happened. It was all a big joke, only no one's laughing, right? All right. But you find yourself here today at One Life Church on Mother's Day 2019, and you're on a mission. You are a mom on a mission. My mission began nearly 23 years ago. I know many of you that are in our Wednesday night class or even have been here for years um, know that my mission began nearly 23 years ago. And I, like Hannah, had come to the place where I was barren. I could not believe that such a natural occurrence was not taking place in my life. He said, go forth and multiply, but that wasn't working, right? So we get to the place, I was sick to death even to hear the story of Hannah, and that's who we're going to talk about right now. Have you ever got to the place where every time you went to church, the preacher was preaching exactly to you or about you? Don't you hate that? I mean, it's great that we get, you know, inspiration and, and get encouraged. But gosh, when I was going through that, that's all I ever heard. Every church we went to, everywhere we went, everyone prophesied about Hannah and, and the barrenness. And I was like, I am sick to death of Hannah. I don't care if I ever hear about Hannah again. But I was like her. I was hoping and begging and praying like a crazy person for a child. And we all know the story of Hannah. She was found in the temple, right? She was praying. She was begging. Um, She was praying with such fervency that her pastor, the priest Eli, he came into the room and he accused her of being a drunk woman. Have you ever prayed so hard that somebody accuses you 
of being a drunk person. They accuse you of just being crazy, that you just laid it all out there before God and just poured it out to him. Have you been there? I have. I have been there many times. And if, if Hannah was praying and begging and crying so hard to have such accusations against her, then you know that she must have been given God the what for. Y'all know what the what for is? Have you ever given anybody the what for? Now, I know we're all Christians in this house, and it's Mother's Day, but have you ever given your kid the what for? Like, told them what you thought. You laid the law down, didn't you? You put the hammer down on those kids. Hannah did that. She was praying and crying so hard to God. She was telling him exactly how she felt. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay to pour your heart out before God like that. It's okay to tell him what you think and how you feel. But at the same time, you need to take a moment and stop and listen to, to what he has to say about the situation, right? But Hannah, she was there in the temple crying and praying, believing and it wasn't just, it wasn't even out of disrespect. It was just out of a broken heart, out of a heart that was so broken that it had to be poured out, right? And we've all been there. She was giving him a piece of her mind and telling him exactly what she thought. And that's okay. Because he knows, and anytime we come up here to pray with anyone, that's one of the first things I tell them. I will pray with you. But God knows your heart better than anyone else. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows how you're feeling today. He knows how you felt yesterday. And he knows how you're going to react and how you're going to feel tomorrow. So nothing surprises him. He's a great big God with great big shoulders. He can take on your, your little mouth. He can take on your words, your complaints. But like I said, stop and listen to what he has to say, right? Have you ever had those friends that they just talk, talk, talk? And they don't give you a chance or a turn to talk. And you have to, even Jordan did that once with my mom's pastor's wife. They, she was just talking, talking, talking. She wouldn't stop talking for nothing. When he was about four, he just raised his hand real politely. He said, ma'am, excuse me, it's someone else's turn to talk. <laughs> now, he had, he had something to say because anybody knows Jordan. He loves to talk too. But he was politely telling her, Stop talking. I've got something to say. Because if he didn't say what he had to say, it was like he was going to blow up on the inside. Right? He was like that. Still like that somewhat today. I don't know where he gets that. I mean, have you met me? Have you met his grandmother Cosby back there? Have you met Mother Fran? Yeah. Knows no stranger, right? So God knows our heart. He knows better than anybody else how we feel and how he's going to address that situation, how he's going to fix it for us. But I've been there like Hannah. I've wanted something so badly. I was so desperate to be heard. I was so desperate to have my prayer answered. And praying for that miracle so long, right, that you almost lose faith. You almost give up on that dream, on that call, on that mission. But I, too, like Hannah, knew I was on a mission. I knew that was my calling. And I don't discuss these situations, this situation uh, very often, but this is such a, a desire of my heart for us moms to understand that our kids are a mission, that they are our mission field. 
that, that, that was my heart's desire, was to be a mom. Only for years, like I said, to feel like praying, it wasn't working. They were going unheard, that I was being ignored. God was overlooking me. I saw all these other people, right, receiving what I was hoping for. Every time I turned around, there's the story of Hannah again. Every time I turn around, there may even be, you know, someone that has triplets. And you're like, can I have one? You won't miss it. <laughs> you know, you just, you're like desperate. You dream about it. I dreamed about people just coming up into my house and handing me a baby. That don't happen. That don't happen. But your heart it, you, it wants it to happen so badly that you, you think of beyond expectations. So I was so desperate for that miracle and, and to see everybody else have it. And when it finally came to pass the first time, we were beyond thankful. We were beyond ecstatic. And I couldn't hardly believe it myself. Like we hadn't told anybody that I was pregnant. I didn't want to share that amazing news yet. I was going to share it at the holidays and make it this big surprise. It was what I was always going to do. I always had that in my mind. I wanted because it had been set, Brian and I had been married for seven years, right? And, it, and that what happens, everybody asks you a hundred times, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have me a grandbaby? When are you and Pastor going to have children, right? And you're like, well, well, we're trying. I mean, what do you say, right? What do you do in that situation? But finally it came to pass, and I was excited. And I didn't want to tell anybody really at first because I couldn't believe it. I had to take it in myself because after five years at this point, I was like, you know, I just wanted the joy in my heart for a moment by myself and with Brian, with your pastor. Um, I have finally got that miracle that I had been praying and believing for for nearly five years. And nearly five years of doctors telling me, no, it probably won't happen. I went to infertility specialists, fertility treatments, drugs that made you crazy, and unending disappointments. Have you been, I mean, disappointment after disappointment, disappointment. You're just devastated. And to think it was finally happening. Only to have that joy and that excitement taken away in even just a moment. And the the fact, the funny, not funny thing is, but the ironic thing is, is I was actually in church. We were pastoring at the time. I was in church in the sound booth when I knew that something was wrong, doing what God had called us to do, right? Praying and believing and doing the mission, being on that mission, fulfilling the call that God had on our lives. And yet I knew that something was going terribly wrong. And to hear those words was deafening. Your world just stops. Your mission just, you, you can't believe that this is happening. And I, even when the ER doctor comes in and tells you that, you, you're just like in a dream. You're like, he didn't just say that. He didn't just tell me that. And I even looked at him like, I got all spiritual. And I was just like, I just looked at him and my God is bigger than that. That's not true. But it was. It did not deny the fact that this is what was going on. But God was still bigger, Right. He was still bigger than any dream or any mission that I had. And I knew that God was bigger than what was going on in that situation in that moment. 
that if I proclaimed it loud enough and if I said it loud enough and strong enough to that doctor that I would prove that it wasn't happening. So yes, I like Hannah. I like Hannah was in this position. I was giving God the what for. I got to where I just told him exactly what I thought about the situation and how this was wrong and that, you know, he had made a mistake and we're doing this and we're doing that. And God, we love you. We're, we're serving you. We're on a mission for you. And I get this. Have you ever talked to God like that? We've, we're, we've all been there. And that's okay. Like I said, once again, he already knew. He already knew my heart. He already knew how I felt. But once I came to my senses or whatever you want to call it, come back to reality, I still continue to pour my heart out to him. But in the way that we'll get a response, yes, he'll respond to us crying and being upset and just devastated. But when we have a true heart and we come to him and believe in faith and pour our hearts out to him and know that in spite of the situation, he's still going to work. He's still working all things together for our good, right? That he is still in control and that I am still a mom on a mission. I didn't have that yet. I had it in my hand and I lost it, but I knew my mission. I still knew my calling and I knew that God was still going to come through. And then, as you know, the rest of the story, I have my destiny and I have Jordan and they are my miracles. They are miracles that they are setting in this house today. And I know many of us have struggled with these issues. And I don't make light of it because I've been there. I've walked through it. But I do know that God's timing, and I hate the word timing just as much as I hate all the stories of Hannah I've heard because everybody always says it's in God's time. And that's one of the worst things you can say to people when they're believing so greatly for some, an amazing miracle to come through is God's, you know, in God's time. In God's time. And it's true. God's timing is perfect. And now I look at it, I wouldn't have had it any other way. It took me five years to get Jordan, and it took me another five years to get Destiny. So, you know, don't give up. Don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that mission. So you ask, what exactly is the mission then? We're talking about world missions. We're talking about home missions. We're talking about missions within our own home. So if you, like any other mother, want once quickly come to the we quickly come to the realization that that little miracle that you begged and cried and prayed and pleaded for um it wasn't like the ones that maybe you saw on tv or you saw these birthing shows where it was whoop, there it is you know it, it it's not always like that um we think that this job was going to be so easy. We thought, oh, we've got this under control. But we really didn't know as much as we thought we did. We did not have, we were not as prepared as we thought we were. And that all those other people, and you have so many people that came and gave you advice on what it was going to be like during your pregnancy, during delivery, being a mom. They gave you some really good advice, didn't they? They tried, but we thought we knew it all already, and we were ready for this. Because we know, and it's, it's always said, they do not come <laughs> with instruction manuals, right? Now, our washer and dryer will come with one, right? Even our car comes with one. 
tells you where to put, how much pressure to put in the tire. It tells you if the oil is low. It, it definitely tells you when you're running low on gas. But it don't do, the most amazing thing in the world happens and we don't get an instruction manual with it. You sign a little paper, you sign yourself out of the hospital, they take you to your car and that's it, right? Now I know there's so much more to it because we have some labor and delivery and nurses in here and we thank God for them. But it's not always as easy as it looks. And they, they'll probably be the first to tell you it's not always easy. So we don't make a lot of that either. But they don't come with an instruction manual. I would even, and I hate to read. Many of you, any of you that know me know that I hate to read. I would even get books by like Dr. Dotson that would be like raising boys when I found out I was having a boy. And then, of course, then I would have to get the book with Destiny. Raising the Strong-Willed Child. Right? Um, now there's an app for that. I'm amazed at the apps that you have uh, at your fingertips to tell you all you need to know about being a parent, about being pregnant, about being a mother. There's are, there are apps for that. I'm kind of glad I didn't have that when I was many years ago when I was having children. I, too much information, too much overload for me. But yeah, I, re- I had books, but I don't think I ever read them. Like, what to expect while I'm expecting. I mean, that was like the biggest book back in the day. That was our manual. That was our instruction manual. And we relied and thought that these things were going to fix everything when they really did not help much of anything. Um, And we find ourselves as moms, as parents, um, not knowing what to do always. Now, sometimes that's what I tell mine. I'm like, I am so glad that you think that I am so smart that I can figure this out. Don't you? I mean, they think that you can fix anything. They think that you have the answers to everything, and you don't. Sometimes you just have, well, I'll get back to you, right? Because that's one's response. One response, I just, I sent a note home to one of Destiny's math teachers because it's when all that new math was coming out in elementary school, and I'm horrible at math anyway. Then they bring out this new math, and I was like, Mm-mm. I just wrote a note to the teacher. I was like, please do not send math homework home with Destiny. It will not get done, and it is not worth my fight to fight with her. It just won't get done. Do not take it out on my daughter. Thank you, Renee Matthews. Left her my number in case she had any questions, you know. But I wasn't going to help. I could not. I, my brain could not comprehend the new math stuff. So we find ourselves not always knowing what to do, right? Many times we don't have the answers. And we are put that on our shoulders that we have to fix, fix things. And one of the biggest pieces of advice, if that's what you want to call it, or words of wisdom, which however you want to look at it, that my mother gave to us was pick your battles, Right? We talked about, or we sang about a while ago, about God being our defender, right? We talked about him fighting our wars for us, going into war, getting the head of our enemy and coming back. That sounds and sings great. But who's doing that for us with our kids, right? We are. We're their defender. So we need that wisdom. We need to pick our battles, right? Some things just aren't worth fighting over. Some things in the day that I used to think were so important They don't matter at all, right? That load of laundry, it is still going to be there. 
it will still be there tomorrow. And then if somebody doesn't happen upon it and see that it wasn't folded, it'll still be there the next day. Or if you're like me, do a load of laundry, forget to put it in the dryer. So then you have to go back and redo that same load of laundry, right? And then dry it. And then that load sets there. And then, you know, there's that basket that sets in your room for a month that never gets put away. And then your children or your husband say, oh, I don't have no socks. I don't have any socks. I don't know where my stuff is. Well, maybe look in that basket that's been sitting there a month, right? That's where everything is. It would be great if you could help put that away, right? So in other words, you have to decide what and which issues are important enough to address. And does it really make a difference in the scheme of things? It's all in how you look at it. It's perspective. So once again, what is our mission? In Matthew 28, verse 19... He tells us, we are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're returning back to Matthew 28, and it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you. Those are our marching orders. There's no fighting that. There's no gray area in that. That is our marching orders. We as people of God, we as moms on a mission, we as men and women of God, that is the mission. And it should be the desire of every Christian mother in this house to be the missionary sent to their kids, to sent to their home, to sent to their children, right? To be the portrait of God, just like in the video. We are to be the portrait of God to see them grow and to be believers, for them to become disciples themselves and then to continue on with that mission, right? Now, do I come to you? I tell you every time I come up here to speak that I don't come up here and act like I know it all because I don't. Believe me, I don't. I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. Absolutely not. I mean, I am my own worst critic. Are you moms like that? You're your own worst enemy sometimes, right? I remind myself daily <laughs> that I am not all I should be, and I remind myself that, um, that I don't have it all together, that there's always something more we could do, and that's how we feel. We feel like there's always one more thing, one more thing that we can do to fix this, right? But we come to the realization that we can't do this on our own. We need him, and we make it so hard on ourselves Sometimes We make it harder than it has to be. But all we have to do is ask him for help. To know who our hope, our hope is in, who our help is from. In James 1 and 5, it reads like this. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. Right? It's simple. We need him, we ask, he gives, and he gives without finding fault. So why do we put that on us, ourselves? Why do we find fault within ourselves? Yes, there's always room to do better. There's always room to make yourself better and to make your home better, your family better. Do that. Do it with excellence. But let's take the pressure off of ourselves to figure it all out on our own, right? We're a family. Here at One Life, we're a family. And if you can't do it on your own, we'll help you to do it, 
together, right? Better together. And to remind ourselves, we are moms on a mission. Now, there's only two things I want to um, cover with you today, and it goes back to where we started in Matthew 28 and verse 19. <clears throat> moms on a mission believe that Jesus is Lord. That's the main thing I want you to know today, that moms on a mission, we know that Jesus is Lord. Uh, back to Matthew 28 and 19, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Let's not forget this. He has all authority, right? He came back from the dead. He came, he came back. He claimed to possess by this divine gift that he had all authority in heaven and, and, and on earth. So that's great to know. He is Lord. He's the one in control. He's Lord over your motherhood. He's Lord over when you become a mom. He's over, he's decided what motherhood should look like for you because it doesn't look the same for everybody, does it? You may be a grandma raising your children. That's, you're still on a mission. That is still your mission field. You may have gone children through adoption. That's still motherhood. That is still a mom on a mission, a great big mission. He is Lord over you. He is Lord over your children, and he is over their future. And he even calls them arrows. In Psalms 127, he says that children are arrows, and arrows are meant to be loosed at a proper time. Once again, it takes us back to that scripture about um, in all, there's a time for everything, right? And our children have those times too. They are arrows, and if we release them and release them into what we've tried to instill in them and try to be their missionary, trying to lead them, they are going to be the straight arrows, right? And if not, guess what? God is still in control. He still is in control, and their life is in his hands. But it is our job as moms to go and make disciples, to know that he is Lord, and to go and make disciples. Or in other words, one, one writer put, go and mother disciples. Which leads us to my second point. Moms on a mission focus. They focus on making disciples. So what does it mean to focus? The first meaning I found, it says the center of interest. Focus is the center of your interest. It's what you are focused on. And the second thing, the state or quality of producing a clear visual definition. Okay? So moms focus on making disciples. It's going to take effort. It's not easy. It's going to make a conscious decision to be a mom on a mission. It's going to, it's going to take it, making it a priority in your life. I mean, we find time for everything else. We find time to prioritize other things. But this is a priority, to be a mom on a mission, to focus on making our children disciples. And I know we're still sitting here, and we're getting all hung up on the mom thing. And, you know, some of you are already taking your Sunday nap. And some of you are looking at me like, what, really? What has she got to say to me now? But I'm going to tell you a few things. Um... That I know that, like I said, that my call and my mission in life was to be a mom. That was my title. I knew it. I honor it. I wear it like a big badge, a big badge of honor. 
And it is Mother's Day, and it's the greatest honor of my life to be Jordan and Destiny's mom. But I was blessed to be raised by a Christian mother. And if any of you in here, many of you were raised in Christian homes. And I was raised by my mom. And she'll probably kill me, but my mom's back there in the corner looking at me. Wave your hand, Cosby. That's my mama, okay? Um, she saw the need to focus on making disciples out of me and my sister, okay? Now, we all know that none of us come out at birth the same, right? Any of you that know you have more than one kid know that they don't come out the same, do they? They're, they're all different. They all have their own personalities, their own dispositions, um, and we don't all come out as Christians, as believers. Do you agree with that? Okay. Well, maybe except for our pastor. I always laugh and he hates it, but I always say he came out of the womb saved. Now, we have a witness before us today. Is it true? Pretty much, pretty, I do not lie up in this house. He came out of the womb saved. You know? Wish we all could do that, but we, we're human. And we are thankful that God raised him up and that Fran and Pastor C.T. raised him up to be the man of God that he is today. Amen. Let's honor them this morning. But we know that each child has its own personality, and it doesn't matter what you do, what book you read, what, how you try to clarify how you try to fix it it's not gonna it's not gonna happen and that's true my sister's here today too she's back there with my mom on the back row many of you raise your hand this is my sister she's always here y'all probably don't even know she's my sister because she don't sit with me she don't talk to me she loves me but she has her place she likes to sit there and with the new baby she's a new grandma yay so that's a new title she has. But we were completely opposite. And that's what I'm going to say here today. If you don't believe it, go back there and ask those two. They were there, right? She was the firstborn. And like many firstborns, they take on the um, disposition as mommy, as that nurturer, right? The one that is always trying to protect, always trying to teach, show us the correct way. Show us our wrongdoings. Now, because I did a lot of wrongdoings. And if you were like me, I sometimes even blamed her for things I did so she would get in trouble and I wouldn't. Do you have kids like that? Or was I the only heathen? Hmm? I left the ice cream out one time. No, I didn't do it. I, I, I don't know who did that. So, of course, they thought it was her because, you know, I would never lie. So, yeah, she got in trouble for that. But she was always trying to show me the right way to love me, right, in spite of me sometimes. But she was the smart one, always studying to show herself approved, right, even at school and in church. She was always studying to show herself approved. She was the smart one, but I was the smart aleck one. I would tell you what I thought like that. And I would love to just say something back to get you off guard or to get you to laugh, right? We have many episodes where we'd be sitting at the dinner table. Everybody thought we were so sophisticated. And I would say something just to get her to laugh. And she'd be running in the kitchen spitting her food out. 
right? You love, I loved it. I, that was the thrill of my life was to get my sister to laugh, to think I was funny. So she was the smart one, always studying to show herself approved. I was the smart aleck one. She was the spiritual one, okay? She was very spiritual. She even buried my lipstick one time because it was such a sin back in the day to have lipstick. She went out in the yard and thought it was going to save my soul on this earth and in heaven if she went out in the yard, the backyard, and buried my lipstick. Now, yes, I wear a lot of makeup. I always have. I've always loved my makeup. I, people are going to heaven who wear makeup, okay? Because there are some people, they really do need some makeup. I mean, God would welcome them with open arms if they came in and didn't look like they crawled out of bed, right? He would like that. So, yeah, she, she tried to save my soul, didn't you? You tried to protect me from going to hell. She buried my lipstick. But me being the spirited one, I just, like I said, I just told her exactly what I thought about her burying my lipstick, right? And I just went, I dug it up, went out, hopefully bought more later the next time, right? Well, she also, too, being the older one, they're sometimes more organized, right? She always had a plan. Nope, not me. I was fly by the seat of my pants. What happens, happens. Let's ride, let's run, let's go, right? Put the top down, let's go. I had, did not have to have a plan. And my sister, she loved to read, right? She loved to read, memorize stuff. She sat home on weekends and read phone books. Is that true? Memorize back in the day when we had phones and phone numbers, and we had to memorize phone numbers. Um, she would, she loved just to learn, loved to read. Not me. I only read books if they had pictures, you know? And if they only had like that much text under the picture, I was good with that. But I really come to the realization later on that those are just called magazines. <laughs> those are not books at all, right? But yeah, she loved to read, I didn't. So we were completely, completely different. She actually, can you believe this? I'm going to tell on her. She went to school to learn. She, she actually got up, got dressed, and loved going to school. She was best friends with her teachers. I mean, she hung out with her teachers. That's how much she loved school. Not me. I was like, okay, I have good grades, but guess what? I'm here to plan for the weekend. Where are we going this weekend? Who's driving? Who's got gas money? Who's paying for food this weekend, Right? That was our place to get the weekend lined out. Not her. So we were completely different. Um, but by my mom's focus, by her desire and her being a mom on a mission, she was making disciples out of us. She was taking each one of our characteristics, each one of our qualities, and applying her faith and the word to raise us up to have our own walk with him right? And that's important for us to understand. They are our mission field, but each mission field is different, and we have to look at each child in a different way. Now, the goal is the same, but sometimes the path is different, right? So she, we completely were different, but the goal was the same, the focus was the same, and she was definitely a mom on a mission. And on this mission, it wasn't just her, 
Many of us know it's not just us that raises our children, right? There's a network of people who help us, who, who um, we can depend on sometimes, right? And there were some amazing women in our church that, um, or even in our family, that helped raise us. I had an amazing grandmother whose humor and love of life, it was contagious. She didn't know the word quit. She, couldn't, she didn't know how to surrender. She didn't know how to stop. She didn't know how to accept defeat. And even until the end, she never failed to raise her hand or miss an opportunity to request prayer or to ask someone to pray for her lost children, for her lost loved ones. And there's many of you that still do that today. You're still praying for that one, right? You're still believing that that one will come. And then there's many of you that maybe your whole family is unsaved. But she never gave up till the end. She raised her hand without wrath and without doubt, knowing that God was hearing her prayer. And in many instances, he did. Many instances, her children came to know the Lord before they died themselves. So she was an inspiration to everyone. Everyone loved her. Everyone, even everyone at the church, anyone that knew her in the community, she was granny. Do you all have a granny in your world? Is there anybody you call granny that just... She just makes everything better when she walks in the room, right? She was an inspiration to everyone, and we learned how to persevere and how to keep the faith through her. We also had spiritual mothers. I don't ever want to get up here and talk about mothers without focusing on spiritual mothers, too, because we also had spiritual mothers that helped along the way, that helped disciple us. We had Sunday school teachers like Norma Plymouth, she had a quiet, gentle spirit and made us feel as if Jesus himself was in the room, that anything was possible, that all was right in the world, and that his peace, it was ours. There are some people that's like that. Just their being in the room, you just feel like the world is okay, right? That if you can just get to their Sunday school class, if you can just hear their sweet spirit come out of them and show a portrait of God that everything will be okay and that his peace was ours. Then we had Aunt Edith. Of course, in Wayne County, we just say Aunt Edith, okay? We had Aunt Edith. Now, she wasn't really our aunt, was she? She wasn't really biologically our aunt, but we were such a family, such a tight-knit church family that everyone called her Aunt Edith, okay? Everyone had the honor to address her as Aunt Edith. We had another amazing woman of God that was a spiritual mother to us, Jean Perry. She was so quiet, soft-spoken, and humble. She had more compassion in her bones than Mother Teresa. I mean, this woman just oozed with love and compassion. But you knew when the Spirit came upon this woman that you better stand at attention. You better stop what you're doing, and you better listen to what God was speaking to her and through her to you and to the rest of the congregation, right? I also had a pastor's wife. I know you look at me today, I am the pastor's wife. I haven't always been the pastor's wife. And, you know, but here I am, 28 years later. But I haven't always been one. But I had an awesome pastor's wife who um, we lovingly called Mother Pennington. Okay, she was so prim, so proper, you know, so very ladylike. 
You didn't burp. You didn't drink out of a straw in front of her. You don't blow out candles. You wave the candles. Because back then, you know, we still blew out candles. It was still politically correct to blow out candles. But she was so proper. But she purposed, and she purposed to make me into a woman of God. She made it her mission to love me in spite of me, to, in spite of my smart aleck ways, in spite of my snide comments. <laughs> she saw things in me that others couldn't and wouldn't see. She believed in me, and she believed in my calling as much as anything. And so later in life, too, when Pastor and I went to evangelizing, he took me off. We went to so many churches. It wasn't like we were just gone a week or two. We were gone for months at a time, away from our family, away from our, our, um, our structure. And um, there were other women that God brings along the way, other spiritual mothers that he will put in your path, that he will put in your way that will help you along this mission, along this journey. I had a spiritual mother like Brenda Stewart, Hilda Nutter, and Alice Hughes that just would take us in, would take me in, love me, nurture me, and be that mom when I couldn't be with my mom, to be that spiritual mother when I needed one. Because we were always pouring out and giving and traveling that when we got to a place, they would just pour back into us the love and the understanding and the nurturing that we needed so that we could go on to our next mission. So I shared all these things, all these things in my life to say this. You do not have to be a physical or biological mother to be a mom on a mission. Okay? Even for, the, us, for, you, us, for you guys, um, you're, you're still on a mission. Okay? We're all on a mission. We're on this together. But you can be a spiritual mother. You can help disciple others right? You can put your focus on discipling others. It's not just about you. We're in this together. We're on this mission and this journey together. Now, I want to pick your attention to focus on a picture that they're going to bring up for us of this mother from another country. Can you see that? She is on a bike. She has a child on the front a child on her strapped to her back, one on the back of the seat. She's carrying sticks, wood that she's went out and gathered. And I don't know, do y'all notice that thing on her head? I mean, a big tub of water. And that's what you see when you go to these mission fields, when you go to the mission. This is what they do. Or you will see five-gallon buckets on their head that they've gone out, carry, got the water to carry back two, three miles at a time. This is what you see. Now, on focusing on this woman, this is a mom on a mission. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, here she is. She's provider. She's transportation. She's a hero. And it, I mean, it looks like she could be an acrobat. She's a warrior. She is a life giver. She's a life sustainer. She's a teacher all in one. That one picture, just imagine how many things is going on in that one still picture. Now, she's a mom in motion. She's a mom on the move. She's mom on a mission, right? But this one still picture shows us what a woman on a mission can look like, okay? Now, there's another mother on a mission that I want to talk about today because, you know, this takes talent and focus to do that. 
um, I think maybe next year on Mother's Day we're going to try this. Because on Father's Day we always have all these um, games and, you know, weightlifting and see who's the strongest or who can, you know, shoot as many hoops. Well, I don't know what that's called. What's it? Shoe hoops, whatever. But they have games. But next year I think us ladies we're going to try this. Put y'all in for it. Gail, you want to do it with me? Oh, come on. All right. So, yes, we have that. That is a mission field. That's what it looks like. But I want to focus on some others that are in this house today. That they not only made disciples out of their own children, but believed in the call enough to make disciples out of many countless others. They took on the responsibility of also being a spiritual mother. And I want to recognize Miss Kim Sargent. Kim, raise your hand. I know she loves to be recognized. Everybody stand because when you get, I get through telling you about this woman, she is to be honored. And she's going to kill me because I have some of these pictures up here on the screen, or the kids will probably kill me that I have these pictures on the screen. Yeah, she is our very own Kim Sargent. You can sit down. She has her own biological kids here with her today. She and Johnny, they were blessed with three kids who are active in ministry alongside. You see Amy and Mandy up here singing on the worship team. Jeremy is an amazing musician, making his mark in this world with his music and plays the guitar in this house. And know that they have raised those children to be on a mission, that they are disciples. Amen? But when we focus more clearly... She has many, many other children. She has many other kids in her life because she became a spiritual mother also. She has spent, what, nearly 20 years? More than that? 30-something years? In this local church, in this community, helping to raise up disciples. On any given Sunday, any given Wednesday, you would see that woman whether it was in the old building at the end of the road at Thompson Road, that brick building, that's the old church, whether it was in that church or in this place, whether it was Hurricane Church of God, whether it was Tabernacle of Praise, whether it was One Life Church. It had many names, but the vision was still the same. Amen? The vision was still the same to make disciples and to be a spiritual mother to those who did not have a, a, a spiritual mother, who did not come, because a lot of times they would send their kids and Kim was the only portrait of God they would see. And the, name of, the names have changed. The faces have changed many times over, haven't they, Kim? Many times over. But our God is the same. Our mission is the same. And we are to make disciples. And that's just what Kim Sargent has done. She's been a mom on a mission with her own kids, but has been a, a mom to countless others. And today, Kim is a wife, of course, a mom, and now a grandmother, which is probably one of her favorite titles now as grandmother. And any given Sunday, there are three generations in this house doing ministry, making disciples. That's amazing. Three generations together. Then, of course, we have... Another mother that we want to talk about, Miss Janet Bowen. Raise your hand, Miss Janet. 
Stand for Miss Janet, please. Let's honor her today. <laughs> you can be seated. She and Brother Charlie, they have been dedicated to this house for many years also. Um, she's not only discipled her own family, but focused on reaching out into the community. And she is the one that started our top, top, top tarts day. I'm sorry. Let me back up. Top tots daycare. Was that right? <laughs> so she felt the need to reach out into the community and, and to have this house to be a place of discipleship. You can't always do that in the public sector, but because it was here at, at the church, right, we were somehow, she was still somehow able to impact others in the community, right? So she's also a mom whose focus was making disciples. Her legacy and dedication to this call lives on through her children, grandchildren, and now through another generation of great-grandchildren. So she has four generations on any given Sunday that are right here in this house doing ministry. Isn't that amazing? The legacy that happens. And many of them are carrying on, like I said, alongside her here today and carrying on the vision. Now, our final focus today, and okay, many of you are safe. I have no more pictures, just so you're not worried, okay? <laughs> I, won't, I won't hurt you. I won't get to anybody else. But just know, too, that even if, because there's many of us in here with many generations, right? Miss Sandy, how many you have here today? Okay, so you have generations with you today, right? All right. So, Miss Brenda, you have a couple generations with you, right? What, three? Three generations today worshiping. Gail, you're here, and Amanda and the whole bunch, right? You're here is with your mom, right? Generations right here. So even, but here's my point. Even if you don't have two, three generations, today's the day to start. And it doesn't have to be a, a biological one. You can be a spiritual mother. Let's begin this mission today. Amen? Okay. And that's our third thought today is that you know that you're not alone on this mission. Because when you go on the mission field, it can be a very lonely place. It can be um, you're, you're on guard at all times, okay? But know that you are not alone, even in this journey as moms on a mission. And finishing up back in Matthew 28, verse 20, he tells us, he says, Anna, surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. Now, he is not, Jesus is not going to put this responsibility on his disciples or on us without the promise that he's going to be there with us, that he is going to go with us. And in times he goes before us, right? So you are not alone in this journey. And I realize it can be heavy at times. It, it, it's not always easy. It's not what you see on TV. The kids don't always listen. The kids don't always obey. Your husband doesn't always pick up his stinky socks, right? It doesn't always happen. And your family, they may be more like the Kardashians than the Duggars, right? They may be crazy. And it may not be a family reunion until the law has been called. You know that you've really got to the high point of that family reunion when the popo has been called, right? 
Some of us have lived that kind of life. But you're not alone in this journey. In this passage, Jesus has given them the command to go and make disciples, but saying, surely I am with you always. Surely means certainly. There's no doubt. You can bank on it. It is for sure done that I am with you till the end. And that he is with us and will always be with us on this mission. Of course, it wouldn't be Mother's Day without mentioning the ultimate mother of all mothers, right? And that's Mother Mary. (laughs) Think about it. This mother made the ultimate sacrifice with her son. She was with Jesus from the beginning, during, and the end, right? To the very end, from birth to death to resurrection. Knowing that he was born, he was sent to this earth. He was born out of her womb to die. Could you imagine the responsibility that must have been on her? Understanding that her very son, her mission field was the Messiah. Her mission field was the mission. That was an amazing responsibility that she took on. And that was the ultimate missions trip. We can get no greater than that to sacrifice for others, right? We can get no better than that. We can do no more than what Mary did, knowing that her mission field was the Messiah. Now, we're talking about missions here and abroad, and now we know that not everyone can physically go on these missions trips. It's not for everybody, right? I always laugh and say, hey, I didn't always go with Brian on these trips because, you know, I felt like my kids, being the mission-minded mom that I am, that they needed a parent to stay home with them, at least one parent to stay alive, right? Because the first time he went to Africa, all I could visualize, because he was a very much bigger man at the time, I could visualize just like you saw in cartoons um, back in the day, like where they would go and take them and boil them in water and use them for a meal for the whole village like that was just what was running through my mind when he went to Africa for the first time like I'm never going to see him again they're going to eat him alive you know uh, you know I was like that's what was in my head but not all of us can go to the mission field and I didn't for a long time because I laugh and I say my mission field is Macy's people you know what I mean those little ladies at Macy's they need someone to talk to too They need someone to confide in. They need someone to tell their stories to about their grandchildren or how they had their bunion removed last week or, you know, that they need help out the door. That's your mission field. I laugh about it, but you would be amazed at how many people you can come in contact with in the dressing room at Macy's. So that is really, truly a mission field, okay? I also say that shopping is my therapy. That's my therapy session for the week, or a few times a week, because I see some people there walking. They're doing the, the good stuff. They're walking. I'm shopping. So right here in our own Jerusalem and our Judea and Samaria, we can reach out and do this, reach this great commission that we've all been called to. Anthony's going to come help us. He's going to help come sing and um, finish us up today. But I just want to encourage you that what you do it is important. It may not always be recognized. You may not always get a, a pat on the back, and you may not always get a thank you. But what you do is an important. It is important that we are all on a mission and that you are truly a mom on a mission. Now, your motherhood may not look like everybody else's, and you may not, like I said, be a biological mother. You could be a spiritual mother. You may be a stepmother. 
it, it could be in anything. And you may have even experienced the wicked stepmothers before. There are wicked stepmothers out there. It's not just in Disney movies. But you, it may not look like everybody else's, is what I'm trying to say. And you may not even have people to help you along this journey. You may be a single mom. You may be the one that carries the spiritual responsibility on your shoulders in your home. And you definitely do not assume that others will disciple your children for you. We try our best. That's why we have Wednesday night discipleship. That's why we have life groups. That is why we have children's church. That is why we have kids' church. To disciple your children. But don't leave it just up to us to disciple your kids. And you may never be able to go on that mission field with us. But all of us, we're all called to make disciples. So are we to follow the example of the greatest missionary ever? In Matthew 28, it says that. It tells us to do just that. He told the disciples, and he's telling us, go and make disciples of all nations. Right? We're all missionaries. And you're Jerusalem, and you're Judea, and you're Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So today, we're going to remember... I want you to remember the three things that we talked about, that Jesus is Lord. He has all authority. Everything is in his hands, right? And focus. Focus on making disciples of all kinds. And know that you are not and never will be alone because he promised to be with us till the ends of the earth on this journey with us. And if Jesus made disciples, so will I. Will you? Are you going to make disciples? If he went on a missions trip, if he said go and make disciples, so will I. Will others see God through you? Are you going to be that portrait of God that some, you're the only one that God, some will see. God, they will see God through you. And today, moms especially, moms, are you a mom on a mission? Maybe not to another country, maybe not to another place in this earth, on this earth, not to another state, but in your world. Are you a mom on a mission in your world, the world that God puts you in right here, right now, in your Jerusalem and your Judea? So be a mom on a mission. Be a dad on a mission. Be a disciple on a mission and a disciple others. That's our goal, right? So let's do it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us into this place today, God. You have blessed us in so many ways. God, with our mothers, with our spiritual mothers, with the mothers of the church, with people that just come into our lives at any given moment that we needed at that moment in time. God, let us be disciples. Let us make disciples as you told us to do. You've called us to do it. Now let us go today and say yes to your will and say yes to your way. In Jesus' name, amen.